Combo Nation. We're here, man. What is the vibes? Happy weekend. Happy Saturday. Thank you to everyone who tunes in to the show across the globe. Can they hear us now? Good. Today's show is a recording from the B-Ball Breakdown Live show. We discuss some of the latest moves in the NBA. CP3 on the Warriors. Chris Stapps Porzingis joins the Boston Celtics and a change of scenery for Marcus Smart. We discuss all this and more on this episode of Combos Court. Go subscribe to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube. You know you can catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E. T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show, coming at you on a Friday evening. As always, I'm joined by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss everything that's going on this past week, including uh, some interesting trades that we need to really go through and talk about. I'm sure everyone wants to hear about that. Uh, that We had the draft yesterday that seemed to go on forever. Uh, but Combo, how are you feeling this, uh, this evening? Rainy day here in New York City, but all is well. All right. Rainy day. I don't know what that's like. We have not had a rain in a while, but we had so much rain for so long that I could, I'm, we need a break out here and we've actually had a sunny day. It's nice. So I'm looking forward to having the rest of our days in the summer in LA like that. Uh, it's been hot though. I imagine in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the nice, the nice days have been really nice. So it's summertime. It's officially summer. So we're good. That's right. We had the longest day of the year the other night. And uh, here we are. Let, let's break into it because I had an interesting tweet about um, the uh, the Celtics. It seemed to go around the world a little bit. Uh, and that was about the fact that by doing this trade where they get uh, Porzingis, but also part with Marcus Smart in those two different uh, moves, they really uh, improved their roster. I had been saying that Marcus Martin needed to be the guy to get traded to raise their ceiling. And I don't think Celtics fans wanted to believe me. Yeah, I think it's because they feel like he's the heart and soul of the Celtics and he provides leadership. And I think he's just a fan favorite there for many years. He's just one of those guys that the fans gravitate towards and they really never want to see. They didn't never really want to see him go. Right. And and I listen, I, I, I love the hustle. You know, he he do plays that every coach would love to see uh, how he just let it all on the floor. But, you know, it's 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 not like I'm just complaining randomly about some player and quote unquote hating on him. I would bring receipts and time after time, his position in the offense particularly was really frustrating. His decision making on his shots would be bad. His finishing would be wild. I mean, wild stuff at the rim. You never know which foot or which hand it's going to come off and where the ball is going to bounce. And even though he was not obviously the number one option or the number two option, the way the offense was structured, he just seemed to control way too many possessions. And that was always the issue. If he could have been a guy that didn't do that as much, um, then you get like the good defense, which isn't, it isn't always great either. 
Um, and then you can do something with that. But I always felt like there was, he's just going to end up making, you just can't trust him deep enough into these playoff games in the Eastern Conference finals or finals uh, to help you get over the hump. And I, and I, I don't think that um, that's a hot take. And I don't think the Celtics front office disagree with me. Yeah, now we just have to see who's going to step up and become a leader of this team. Al Horford's obviously one of their leaders, but he's aging and, you know, he's kind of he's going to end up being like in that Udonis role eventually. Obviously, he'll play more than Udonis, but something like that. But, you know, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, obviously, their two best players really have to step up in a leadership role. Uh, I, I agree, and I think that they're probably quiet, uh, you know, to some degree. They don't need simply they don't uh, inspire in that way. But yeah. I think you got guys like Brogdon and, and Derek White who can fill that gap, at least production-wise. And Brogdon's a good leader. And so I think I think that might be what they need. Now, you know, everyone wanted to crap on him for the his playoff performance, but it turns out I think he was probably hurt a lot longer than we thought he was. And that makes sense to me because he didn't look like the same guy that was, um, you know, did he win the sixth six man of the year? He won it, right? He yes. won it. He won it. Yeah. So he didn't look like he the sixth man it, yeah. of the year. And, um, you know, and, and clearly we found out why. So that that is a thing I think that they, that they they probably looked at all the different variables and realized, yes, we can get something done here. And then we got to talk about how KP fits in. Oh, yeah. He's a great fit, I think. I think he provides them a different look at the big man position, a guy that could stretch it, a guy that could get his own off in the mid-range and with his back turns to the basket in the post. Um, they never had a big like this, I don't think. I mean, besides Garnett, obviously, he's an all-time great, but I'm not talking about him. But on top of that, to your Brogdon point, he was almost gone in a trade. So it's, I really like the idea of them keeping him. Yeah, and I like that for the Clippers. You know, again, I like yes, Brogdon fitting yes. a lot of teams. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was the Clippers. It was a three-team trade. But, um, yeah, so it's weird that like you go from being traded, basically, to now you're the integral starter that you need to have. And I think what the starting five is now interesting for the Celtics. I'm not sure if there's been a lot of reporting on this yet or what they're thinking. But, um, obviously, Rob Williams has to be a little bit, you know, scratching his head because I don't know how they fit that in. I could see Rob Williams and, and uh, Al Horford starting together. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I definitely want Brogdon to start on this team. I think they need that point guard, and I think he's a point guard. I think he's like a really modern point guard because he could set the team up, but he could also score. So I think that's what you need, and this team just lacks some game managing with their starting lineup. So so I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of moving parts here. I suppose the question then is, are the Celtics finished, or is there anything else they might do? But I, I don't know. I think that you might want to bring in some more defensive-minded players because you know Smart was good on that end. Uh, maybe another veteran because of Smart's leadership, kind of like fill some of those holes that are leaving with Marcus. So I think there's some things they could still do. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I, I just, I mean, first of all, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Grant Williams. If they're going to try to resign him or not. But um, that goes to let's the next thing we could look at real quick would be the Warriors. Uh, first of all, Draymond opts out, which is interesting. The argument could very well be that he. Um, he just he wants to re-sign, but for more years at a discounted rate, perhaps. Uh, but it, it is interesting that, that he would do that versus you know opt in and, and get the the most money he could for this year. So um, you know I, I think what that says in a couple of different things is a couple of different ways would be like I I know my market value isn't that high. I'm not gonna my this is if this is my last good contract before I get too old and my back starts to go then, you know, I want to try and get maximize that, which is why he wants to do a four years versus the one. 
but that said, you know, it does open him up for someone to try and poach him. But does he have a lot of value around the league? I heard the Kings are interested. Um, I would say that that's a weird mix with him. It's a bonus. But I would say if, in my opinion, if Draymond leaves the Warriors, it's it's the end of an era. Like it's the end of that dynasty, I think, for sure, because the way he fits in with Clay and Steph on the defensive side and as a passer, it's just like they'll never be the same, in my opinion. Well, that is true. And you know, if there was a team that ran an offense that, you know, Draymond could fit in well with, it would be the Kings. Um, who do a lot of similar things to the Warriors, but also had just massive amounts of cutting and movement. Uh, he'd be terrific in that. But again, you know, is he going to play alongside Sabonis? I don't. I mean, that would be two non-shooters basically, which is yeah. what the Warriors do, right? So they they kind of do that, uh, and so maybe they could figure that out. But um, and they obviously have Mike Brown, who is no stranger to Draymond Green. On the flip side, if the Warriors do want to keep Draymond, well, then we have an interesting thing here, which. Um, is that you have Chris Paul and Draymond Green on the same team. And that, yeah, that is doesn't it. mix either. I don't know how well that works. Uh, what do you think? You want to hear something ironic, Coach Nick? What? A big reason why the Chris Paul archetype is now an endangered species is because of the Warriors' influence on basketball. And now he's on the Warriors. Oh, interesting. Right. Everybody wants to go um, to, you know, have a have a Steph Curry kind of guy uh, or Damian Lillard. And Chris Paul is not that. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like if, if someone said, OK, you could pick a guy who's who's the 20 year old version of Chris Paul. You know, I don't know. I, I still think you'd, you, you, you would want something like that. I mean, right. Like, uh, gosh, I'd be really big. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was going to say, yeah. Uh, What's his face from um, who just got traded uh, from Memphis? Um, he's not. Oh, Tyus. Yeah, Tyus Jones is not the, obviously yeah. not as good as Chris Paul. But if we're talking about that, he, he's so rock solid, you know what I mean, in the way he plays. I know he did, so he didn't have a great playoff series this year, whatever. Um, you know, but there, but there, there's, there's a similarity in that kind of way he plays that, you know, it seems like you'd have a lot of value and he doesn't, the teams he's on keep trading it. <laughs> they don't recognize. It. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, that one reason is the Warriors influence. And the other reason I think is like LeBron James a little bit and just giving your best player the ball, no matter yeah. how big he is. Like they do that with Luca. They do that with Giannis. They do that with LeBron. They do that with Jokic, where it's just like, you don't need a traditional point guard. Just give your best player the basketball and let him go. So it's a combination of those two things where I think we don't see that position as much, but it's just ironic to me that CCP three on this team, that kind of like shifted yeah. away from the classic point guard. Well, you know, obviously they, they, they wanted to do something with the Jordan pool role. Uh, so CP three is coming off the bench. I'm assuming he'll be okay with that. And, uh, and you know what, it does provide a little bit of, well, here's the thing. Like if, if clay is going to struggle a little bit and maybe get, you know, not, not be as healthy as they need him to be. And that's a real big issue with him. Although I want to say he played, how many games did he play last year? He played, um, played he played 69. So he actually played a lot of, yeah. a lot of games like enough. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like I wasn't the, the, the production. And by the way, he also the production was there. It was it, it very much his career numbers uh, at, at, in terms of scoring. Now he shot 41% from three, took 10 threes a game. And was only at 436 uh, from the from the overall field goal percentage. It was a little bit low for him, but you know what? At, at age 32, 10th year in the league, whatever it was, after all those injuries, 
that's like pretty good, but we, you know, it just didn't seem like the playoffs uh, were, were, uh, were a place where he was going to shine. 18 and a half points a game in the playoffs at, with a lot more minutes he played uh, and then just shot horribly from, from overall and then not great from three. So, you know, this is some insurance perhaps, but, um, you know, because I, I don't see them playing CP3 alongside Steph too much. It's kind of I don't think that that will work really well either for some reason. Uh, I think defensively, I guess I'd be more concerned with. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there's a few reasons why this dynasty is coming to an end. And I think, you know, Draymond, if he leaves, it's definitely an end. But one of them is Clay is not who he used to be. Two is that the rest of the league caught up to the Warriors when it comes to three-point shooting in some degree. They just shoot more threes than ever before. And three, the two-timeline thing. The two-timeline thing. Like, I don't, I, they actually won a championship with it, so uh, which was pretty remarkable. But I think it kind of, like, caught up to them now. Right. I hear you. Um, I was going to say about that, which. Um, oh, my goodness gracious. I forgot what I was going to say. We, oh, I know. We're, we're talking about uh, with Gary Payton. I was looking that up real quick. Wasn't What was I going to say? Anyway, I, I'll remember it. But um, someone was wondering if there's, if that's just like a piece that hasn't happened for CP3 being a trade. I don't I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I get him just to make another trade for something else. But um, I, obviously they wanted to upgrade the pool position and get more of a steady presence there. And that'll certainly do that. But um, before we get too far, let's get to our first um, super chat from friend of the breakdown, the shiny Haxorist. Thank you so much for the generous super chat. I really appreciate it, shiny. Uh, hated the CP3 trade at first, but cutting down on mistakes in non-curry minutes makes a huge difference. And he's got lob targets with JK and Jackson Davis kid. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, Jackson Davis, I don't think it's going to play, but what well, we can see. And, uh, and Kaminga, you know, you hope he continues to develop a, a little bit more than he did last year. Uh, and figure some things out but um you know uh it's it's uh i i can't quite figure out what this team is especially i mean the draymond question mark is a big one do you think he's going to sign back with the warriors i do I, I think so too i mean they're offering him a decent you know thing they're at four years and gosh I, I think it was like 80 million something like that maybe it's what they'd offer him or something like that um you know a, a, a nice contract to end it you know to sort of finish out his career I would think I, I don't see Draymond playing much beyond like 36. Do you? No, no. I think if he's, if he's lucky, he'll get there, but hopefully for him, he can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and, and it's going to be fun to see Chris Paul. You know, I mean, is Chris Paul going to run off screens a little bit and do that? Oh, I think I know the point I was going to make was, you know, uh, if there was a candidate for a guy that like should have shot more threes in his career uh, and then it gets the Warriors, like this is the guy who might all of a sudden just let it rip and, and watch for him to really increase his like per 36 three point attempts. I'm going to look at it right now to see what it is. It's, it's going to be criminally low because he's a pretty good shooter. Just never shot a lot of them, but um, you know, I'm trying to think in Houston, let's go per 36 just to kind of normalize everything here. So, so um, in, in his Houston days, you know, he remember he played 58 and 58. He didn't play, uh, you know, a ton of games in either of those years, but per 36, that was his high. The one year, let's see the, uh, the, First year, he took 7.4 threes per 36, and then the next year, 6.9. Uh, none of the rest of his career after that really isn't much very close to that. So I would predict that, yeah, he'll be he'll be up there at at least seven or eight three-point attempts per 36 minutes for sure. Yeah. To um, Shiny's super chat, I think Kaminga and Moody definitely have to make a step forward. He mentioned Kaminga here. But um, their young players just have to play better. So, and I don't think Jackson Davis will play right away, but you know, he's interesting. 
Um, I feel like Kaminga is not as much of a uh, lob threat as he should be. I see most of his dunks like him with the basketball, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to picture, like, I don't think he got a ton of those. Not yeah. like your traditional seven-footer running the little bit right. which they had that in Wiseman. Um, but, um, but yeah. But, you know, he he can do it, and he's a threat to do that without question. Um, and if he could figure out a little bit more about how the offense can work for him, then that would happen more. But uh, we shall see. I suppose you know what they—they they, they, here's the problem. If it doesn't go well, for instance, in the beginning for Kaminga, if he hadn't figured things out, whatever, then his trade value goes down because they'd probably want to trade him quickly at that point and say it's just not working. Because I, I give him 30 games, right? But the problem is, is that if it's not working, that means his numbers aren't great, and people he probably won't have a good market. So it's a. I suppose the solution would be for the Warriors is they have to hope that he comes in and just starts to figure things out right away. Yeah, I told those guys definitely have to step up. So that's a big key for them this season because they didn't get enough from them last season. M- Moody showed some flashes, though. I think he could be a really good player on a winning team eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Moody's the kind of guy who, yeah, who, who could come in like that uh, in a different way. But like when you saw what uh, Christian Brown was doing, you know, for the for Nuggets, for instance, right? Um, yeah. You could just see it. He was contributing. He can make plays. He could do things and, and just be, fit into the team with whatever they need him to do. And Moody has that feel as well. Yep, yep. And also, Moody's a better shooter than Brown. So we'll see. I feel like I was looking at Brown's like college numbers, and it, it indicated that he would have been a lot better uh, if he just would do them and, and get you know uh, confidence. I hate doesn't, that word. But, you know, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. I notice he doesn't load the wrist at the free throw line. His his wrist is very neutral. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, in at in, uh, at Kansas, you know, he was there for three years. His his career percentage from three was uh, almost thirty eight percent, and it, last year was th- about thirty nine. So he he can make them. You know, I didn't take a ton, but he can make them. So I would expect him to start to find more of that range because he he'll have plenty to be you know of, of those opportunities in their offense. Yeah, that's a huge key for them if he could improve as a shooter for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, now, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna almost need to if Bruce has to leave, right? Because he's probably gonna have to play more minutes. Yeah, the now Bruce Brown had come out and said that money is the most important thing, which is if you're a Nuggets fan, have to be ecstatic to hear at the very least if he's gonna say that out loud. I know his agent probably ain't real happy that he, that he said it, but um, but if that is and and by the way, I I think that Bruce Brown would probably benefit again from staying where he is. He's got a, a really great defined role that lets him have some freedom on offense where he could probably fill it up a little bit. And I would expect even the next year, if they're going to want to manage uh, Jamal's minutes a little bit, maybe um, um, let's see. Uh, yeah. Any, uh, let's see Murray's minutes, any of the other guards and trying to think like KCPs. So he'll, he might get a, a bigger bump. And, you know, there's always that sort of, a lot of times you see a, a younger team kind of break through, win a title, and then the next year they really start, you know, get the glow and, and win a lot of games. Uh, and this would be an opportunity because if he can get established on a team that wins a couple of uh, titles, then his next contract will be, you know, he could write his ticket for every wants. And so that would be, in my mind, where he should stay here. So I, I don't think there's a better connection for him or a, a better role for him anywhere else. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say that like that guy fits probably on almost every NBA team, but I do agree with you. This is his best situation basketball wise. I think actually Jamal Murray. I don't think they load manage him next year. I think he, you know, he's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he'd never been on an All Star team. He's probably going to average oh. some more points in the regular season. So I, I think he's going to have a big year there. I think it's just like he's going to carry a bigger load next season. 
All right. I just, you know, I get nervous about him and I don't want him to, you know, get either run down by the end of the year or, or, or hurt. Uh, he played 65 games last year and he played a little under 33 minutes per game, which is really great. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to play him more than 33 minutes a game. So I think that we know, mm. which will probably keep his production down a little bit. But, you know, the, the, the most anyone's going to play at that position is probably 34 or 35, maybe. So we'll see. But, you know, I, you know, they're so well balanced. I don't he's never going to end up. That's the question is, is he going to have enough um, stats by the all-star break to get on the all-star team? You know what I mean? Usually it's reserved for the guys who are scoring 25, 26, 27 points a game. And, you know, he'll probably still be in that 2021, but they'll be killing people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people will try and vote him in just from what he's did in the playoffs of winning a championship. Uh, you know, I mean, there is some of that. I don't agree with that model because, you know, how I am with the MVPs, I like to look at it as a year-by-year basis. Right. But there's definitely some of that. I think like people are just going to want to see him in the All Star game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, and, and that, that that could happen. I mean, certainly Canada can vote for him, uh, and if they get that national thing going on, there'll be a lot of people there that want to see him. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Am I missing the other trades? That, that was that was the big ones. That was all that I think it happened, right? Oh, well, wait, we got to talk about um, uh, well, Marcus Smart going to the Grizzlies now, and mm-hmm. then we could touch upon a little bit about uh, Tyus going to. Wizards? Uh, where yeah, so they got him for KP. Uh smart on the Grizzlies. What are your thoughts? I think Jaws not gonna well, I know Jaws not gonna be there for 25 games, so he could initiate some offense for him in that time period. It brings him a leader to the locker room, a guy who's a veteran, a guy who's older. So yeah, I think he fills a gap there for sure. Okay. I mean, listen, it doesn't change my opinion of all the things that drive me crazy watching him, but um, but does it fit better there? Is there some notion of that where, you know, a different different location, like a different team, uh, the role could be maybe a little bit more defined? I mean, if I were Marcus's, Marcus Smart's coach, like in Boston for these years, I would have really made it defined, like what I needed him to do. And I feel like they never could do that. So either they told him what they needed him to do, and he would always sort of try and get up in front of his skis too often. Um, and you just kind of had to shrug and deal with it because you know you're going to get like the defensive player of the year potentially in, in, in whatever year that is. Um, but um, here, you know, coming in, and then by the way, then how does that work as far as does he establish something he that, it, that seems to maybe maybe be working for 25 games and now John Moran comes back and like that's a that's going to be a real challenge for for Coach Jenkins without question how to integrate Ja having had a uh, more than a quarter of the season without him. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like whatever they're doing now, they need to inject something into that locker room. And I think he does bring influence to the locker room, but I think that's important. I think almost like on-the-court fit is almost, that's like, we're not worried about that. We got to build some kind of culture here. You know, that's most important. And I think he could help them do that with his leadership. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if they had you know, Stephen Adams, like you know, when you get hurt and you're away from the team, you don't have a lot of that effect that you, you could normally have if you're playing. And Stephen Adams, that same kind of guy, leadership-wise, I think uh, that that could have that kind of influence they're looking for. Um, and anybody else on that team, I don't know. Now, Luke Kennard is still there. I feel like Luke Kennard could help all these teams he's on, and he never get the opportunity. He should I guess it's for defensive reasons, especially in the I playoffs. Yes, but you know, you know, yeah, he's on, he's under contract, a really good contract for them if they play him. Just check what his numbers were. So when he got there uh, in Memphis after the trade. Um, which I, you know, I, I never really quite agree with. I thought the, the Clippers would have been better off keeping him and not get Russ. 
But um, in, in 24 games with Memphis, he played almost 25 minutes a game and scored 11 points uh, per game. That's pretty good. Uh, and he shot 54% from three. I think I missed that. I think I forgot about that. That's insane. That's a, that, that's a heater for 24 games combo, 54% from three on almost that guy six. Could, that guy could shoot, man. Yeah. So that's a huge – and he can handle that, and he can facilitate. He could do a lot of things. It's really strange that he's been you know, struggling know. so in minutes. Ty Lue didn't want to play him when I felt like he should have played him. And I love Ty Lue as a coach, but I felt like he should have gave him some more opportunity. And these are teams that need shooting, you know? So I don't know. I yeah. just feel like they feel like they can't depend on him defensively. But you know what we say, defense, me fence, right? That's what I always say, defense, me fence. And then someone else will say that back to me. But, you know, look at the 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 game, the, the logs in the playoffs this past year. You know, he didn't start at all, but he played, you know, 25, 24, 25. They lost two of the first three to the Lakers. And then at that point, it went to 13 and a half minutes and then 17 and a half minutes in the win. And that didn't even play when they got destroyed in game six. So, um, you know, uh, I, I guarantee you they wouldn't have lost by 40 if he had played at all in game six. But something happened with him. But he, they need him. I mean, you know, can he start on this team? Like maybe he got uh, maybe he starts instead um, in the backcourt well, until John gets back. Yeah. Yeah. He could help them. Uh, and maybe the, this this might have to be a little bit short. I got the family back in town. I got to kind of deal with everything on a Friday. People are probably getting ready to go out these days, right? Everyone you have any good plans for the weekend combo? We're gonna play basketball tomorrow morning. You're gonna play. God bless you. Like a five on five full court run. I do that every week, Coach Nick. Wow. I mean, not every Saturday, but I play. I play. You know, I get on the court. I do some skill development. I play. I lift. I run hills. I, I do a lot. There it was. Episode 484 is in the books. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Don't forget to punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And be on the lookout for episode 485 combo out.